All right. Welcome back to Black and White Christianity, episode 12. We have a special episode tonight. We're uh, interviewing Matt Barnes, the State House Chaplain. I'm your host, Walter Mitchell. Tyreek has one. All right. Thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate you being here. Honored to be here. Great being with both of you guys, Walter and Ty. Thank you. Thank you. So just for our viewers, if you wouldn't mind, could you just start by giving us a, a testimony and, and telling us how you got started in being the Indianapolis Statehouse Chaplain? Sure. Well, really, it would probably begin back when I was about eight years old. Um, I wanted to be president of the United States. That was <laughs> for politics in my heart. And um, so from that time, just began doing political stuff in my teen years. And um, then at 19 years old, God um, called me to preach the gospel. And so politics got put on the shelf and uh, then began pursuing just uh, how do I go about being a minister of the gospel? My dad's a, my pastor has been since uh, before I was born. And so ministry is not foreign to me. That's just not what I thought my, uh, my path was going to be. I thought it was politics. But then at 19, I accepted the call to preach the gospel. And then um, I got married, uh, had some kids. Life was good. Uh, ended up being at, at Home Depot, actually. And um, I was there, and I was chomping at the bit, wanting to do something for God, saying, hey, how many times do I have to submit my resume and, and uh, apply for a job for you, Lord? And um, mm -hmm. God was like, no, no. I have you right where I want you. Um, mm. And while there, to give you a quick story, and then we can do questions as well, but um, the thing that really, it was formative for me while being at Home Depot, I was, I was on the freight crew. And so uh, nighttime freight crew had to check in and clock in at 4 a.m. I'd rather stay up till two than get up at two. That's just me. <laughs> uh, and so I, so I was, we clock in and we, to add insult to injury, we had this boss that was a real pain. Uh, the King James describes my boss this way. First Peter chapter two says, servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle bosses, but also to the froward. And if you know what froward <laughs> means, uh, froward in, in modern English means jerk, right? So <laughs> this guy was jerk. And so not only do I have to get up at three o'clock in the morning to go meet but i got to see me with this guy you know and um it was so bad that the eight guys on the freight crew was myself my brother and six other guys it was so bad this guy comes up to me and he says matt i am gonna give the boss a hug well this guy was one of these uh, meanest man contest winners he was a cage fighter before ufc was ufc this guy was in cages fighting people and um, when he says I'm going to hug him, uh, he meant he was going to kill him. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like the boss, but uh, I don't want him to die. And so uh, I went to the guys. I'm like, guys, can we do something different? Um, before we clock in tomorrow morning, can we just pray? And um, if you've been around nighttime freight crew guys, they can be rough. And um, so my brother's like, sure, Matt. And the rest of the guys are like, Okay. So we go and we clock in the next morning at 4 a.m. We get, meet in the tile aisle at this Home Depot in Harrison, Ohio. We meet at the tile aisle and we gather around and I lead the crew in prayer. And uh, the next day we did the same thing. I started taking prayer requests like, hey, what can we pray for? Besides our boss, 
weeks. No. The boss no. comes in the break room when we're there. He comes in the break room and he's like, hey, guys, um, I'd like to take you out to, uh, to eat at Cracker Barrel, my treat. And, um, and I'm like, that's really odd for the boss to want to take us out to eat at Cracker Barrel. So we just. Oh, Uncle Jim. And I'm like, that's something different. That was different than totally different than anything we've had before. And um, here's a term of endearment from a guy that wanted to kill him. Not. And I realized something had changed. Our boss's response to us had changed as a direct result of us praying for him. Now, that's not a guarantee, though. What I also had recognized was that our hearts had changed towards our boss. Because it's impossible to hate somebody you're earnestly praying for. You end up loving them. Doggone it, right? So, so we end up loving this guy. This guy becomes, so he comes to me later that day. He says, hey, Matt, can I join you guys for prayer in the morning? Wow. He is absolutely. So he starts joining us for prayer. Some of those guys on that freight crew came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Wow. Um, Praise God. Rededicated their lives. There's all sorts of things that were happening. So I became the chaplain of the store. I mean, that's what I was. They started paying me, you know, to do ministry, which is super cool. But that's what God was doing. He had me wherever you are. That's your mission field. That's where you are to be a minister. And so God was doing something with me early on in those days at Home Depot to pray for leadership and find my heart to be changed in the long run. So Praying for Leaders began back at Home Depot and uh, now has continued then as the Lord has called me into the political arena. So that's that's an early story to prep for what would actually happen a few years later. So toss it back to you guys for a question or something, but that's really where my heart began to turn towards Praying for Leaders. What a what an amazing like story because I think I think anybody that grew up in the church and starts out their immediate response when their zeal starts to ignite is I want to run it. Well, I want to run for God. I want to, I want to, how can I go to Uganda now? You know right. what I mean? There's this, there's this want and desire to, I'm going to go to one of these missionary things and, and you look to your wife and you're like, you're on board, right? Come on. And, and you just, and you just want to, you want to run it like that. And so I, I feel that way. And there is a scripture and I can't recall it now where it says, wherever the Lord called you remain. Amen. remain where he, he's called you to be. And so, yeah. you know, it oftentimes for so many people, it's hard to like sit still when you were called because yes. you just want to go. You want to let me, let me do stuff for you, Lord. It's kind of like, well, do what I want you to do. And that's to be right. there. Yes. Um, so <clears throat> sorry, hey, Matt, did you have any, I would like, I would like to ask a question here. And as I, as I was listening to you talk, um, one, one thing that I, I get, I get this question a lot from different people, and uh, I've also had this question myself in the past, is um, you said um, that you got the call from God. What did the call look like for you? Like, what, what did that, how, how did, what form did that take? Oh, that's excellent. So in terms of being called to the state house, I'll go with that, is um, God, as, as I had the, the desire for politics, um, and then I'm at Home Depot and I'm like, I want to do something. So 
what could it be? And I, I actually began to get comfortable where I was. Um, and I've realized now that God doesn't like for Matt Barnes to be comfortable <laughs> at all. And so <laughs> I'm comfortable. We go on vacation to South Carolina and um, we pop in a church on a Sunday evening. The pastor opens up the scripture and goes to First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, where the scripture says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that ye may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. As he began to preach that passage that we should be praying for those in authority, it hit me like a two by four. And sometimes I need that. Um, and so I'm sitting there thinking, I want to pray for my leaders. I actually went forward that night. I mean, they, I don't even think the pastor asked. I just went forward, hit the altar. And I'm like, God, whatever it is you want me to do, whatever form this takes, I'm in. And I could not get that off my mind. And so I went to my pastor's wife, which of course, you're following along. Uh, I said, Mom, um, I'm like, Mom, I really, I, I really need, what do I do with this burden? Because God's placing a burden in my heart for, to pray for leaders. And Mom's just real practical. She's like, well, why don't you go ask them? And so I, I didn't know my county commissioner. So I'm like, let's start low at the lower level. So I call up my county commissioner. I'm like, hey, could we meet? And he's like, yeah, is anything wrong? Nope. Uh, just want to meet. And so I go to his house, go to his, we go to the barn, we go out to the barn, we talk about farming, family, horses. And I, I had a particular question. And after two hours of talking with him, I'm like, sir, is there any way that I can be praying for you? Do you have any prayer requests? He's like, yeah, two things. I hadn't prepped him, hadn't asked him ahead of time. He has two things off the top of his head in rural Ripley County, Indiana, that he wants me to be praying for. I thought, wow, okay, that's something. So then I called my state representative. Is there any way I could be praying for you? Yes, she says. She gives me a prayer request. And then I talked to my pastor, my dad, and he says, why don't you take a day off work at Home Depot, go to the state house, and see what God does with your heart when you get there. And my mom chimes in and says, hey, check in with the chaplain while you're there. And so I go to the state house. I walk in, go to the tour desk, and I'm like, hey, can I speak with the chaplain? They're like, we don't have a chaplain. We've never had a chaplain in Indiana State House history, um, but we do have this really nice chapel room. And so they, they told me where it was on the fourth floor. They gave me a list of all 100 members of the House, 50 members of the Senate. I go up and the list had their name, their spouse's name, their home phone number, their home address, where they work, their work home work number. I mean, it was like, they just handed me all this information. And so I go upstairs, go to that chapel room, close the door, sat down, and now I had specifics. If we're to pray for leaders, I think we should know their names. And so I began praying for them by name, every one of them, all 150. I didn't know one of them, but I began to pray for all of them. And as I prayed for them, God gripped my heart. So when you talk about a call, Ty, that, that call happened right there in that chapel room where God was calling me to go to the state house and begin to pray for these leaders by name and get to know them. Well, I went home and <laughs> that's a great thing, Walter, you said earlier, because I went home and I'm like, honey, I got this really cool idea. What if <laughs> I were to quit my job? Now, I had tried doing this before where I would say, hey, what about quitting my job and going into ministry? My wife would be like, 
what ministry? And I would say, I don't know. Let's just be like Abraham and we'll just set out and we'll see to a far country where we don't know where it is and God will take us there. And she would look at me and be like, uh, you're not Abraham. And, and that's, that's really wise. And so this time I went home and I said, honey, what about quitting my job and going to the state house and starting a ministry in the state house to pray for leaders? And amazingly, she said, okay, let's do it. God had given her a piece, so he confirmed it with her, which was miraculous. Mm -hmm. And so I went, this was, so the message that I heard was on October 31st of 2004. By January 1, I had quit my job and, sh and showed up downtown Indianapolis, moved to a hotel room with my wife and three kids. Um, God all of a sudden paid for us to have room and board in downtown Indy, which is unbelievable. Um, I had no support, no pay, no job description, no benefits. And I, I will never forget that first day on the job. Um, so I was in my minivan, which was my new mobile office. And I leave the family at the, at the hotel and I park at the corner of Ohio and Senate. And I looked up at the building and I literally froze. I, I am naturally an introverted person. People scare me. And so I am now, I've quit my job. I'm at the corner of Ohio and Senate. Look at this imposing structure. Like I'm supposed to go in. I don't know anybody. I'm supposed to go in here and start a ministry. So I froze and I did what any scared 27-year-old kid would do. I picked up the phone and I called my mommy. <laughs> I'm like, mom. <laughs> and I said, mom, why didn't God call Ryan, my brother? Why didn't God call Ryan? Ryan's the extrovert. Ryan never meets a stranger. And so why didn't God call Ryan into this ministry? And you guys are probably thinking, Moses and Aaron, you dummy, this is, this is playing out just in biblical proportions. But I'm like, why didn't God call Ryan? I was just scared. And my mom, she says, well, the reason God called you, Matthew, and not Ryan is because you are weak. Thanks, Ma. That's yeah. Like, that's super helpful. <laughs> I'm, I'm weak really appreciate that and so yeah. she says but you, when god does something amazing with you in five to ten years you'll know it had nothing to do with you Amen. and everything to do with god because in your weakness god will be strong and mm. that was incredible i've never forgotten that um but i will say that as i hung up with mom i'm like Lord, she wasn't super helpful. Could you give me something practical to do, like something I could actually do? And it wasn't a booming voice from heaven, Ty, Walter. It was, it was that still small voice. The Lord just whispered to my heart, hey, Matt, get out of the van. <laughs> it, was, it was like, oh, I've done that before. I, I could do that. And so I got out of the van and walked into the building and God's done some, I mean, story after story. I mean, I could go on. I could fill up the entire hour with stories because God wanted something to happen in the state house and his call came on my life and the call has sustained us now. And we're in our 18th year of ministry. That's unbelievable. Wow. 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 You know, so many, as you were talking, I, I resonate with some of the things you said, like, where you, where do you want me to go? And oftentimes when the Lord puts you somewhere, it's not where you expected to go. Um, <laughs> and so oftentimes in your mind, you had this idea of what it was going to look like and how you were going to, it's almost like you pre-prepared for a specific ministry. And then he's like, no, 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 no. 
I have this one over here for yeah. you. And you're like, well, I didn't, I don't have nothing for that. And no. so one of the questions that I had for you was after you got in there, after you started to become established, what were some challenges that started to appear that you had to overcome uh, in this particular ministry? Number one, it seems as I arrived, it seems that every person that had a pastoral title that would come into the state house by in the view of the legislators, every pastoral figure that comes in had a political agenda. So number one, I had to build trust with leaders that I'm not here to run my own program. I'm not here to twist your arm in an issue. I'm not here to lobby on bills. And that was a massive hurdle to overcome. In fact, it took years. Um, so wow. as, I, as I began to get to know people, in fact, the first day, one of the first days I walk in and um, I didn't know who I should meet with or talk to. So I go to the Senate and I walk into the little anteroom in the Senate. I'm like, hey, I'm Reverend Matt Barnes. I'd like to meet with my senator. And the lady says, okay, just a moment. Let me call the office, see if he's available. Then another lady came out from behind the wall as, as she's calling. And she says, hey, did I hear you say you're a minister? I said, I am. She said, well, we don't have a minister to open the Senate session in prayer today. Would you be willing to do that? Uh, guys, I haven't seen that happen since. They don't just grab random pastors to open up the Senate <laughs> session in prayer. And so, but my dad says, be ready to preach, pray, or die at a moment's notice, right? So I'm, I'm good. So, so I walk in, uh, meet the lieutenant governor who's presiding over the session, meet my senator. They have a picture taken. I open in prayer. I go home that weekend, and in the, in the paper down in Versailles, Indiana, the, the Ripley County or Dearborn County paper, it says, county minister opens Senate session in prayer. And it had a picture of me, the lieutenant governor, and the senator. And it's, I didn't tell him I was just working at Home Depot last week. Um, that's just, God just did this thing. And so wow. as you say, Walter, the, the definition began to occur. And I started asking people, hey, how can I pray for you? So I, uh, everybody kept telling me, you need to meet with this particular senator. So I meet with him in the chapel. We sit down. For two hours, the guy grills me on my personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, how I view the scriptures, how I treat my wife and my children, my church attendance. I mean, it was everything you could possibly imagine. After two hours of this, he says, well, Matthew Barnes, you are the new chaplain of the Indiana State House." I'm like, well, that, you can't just like, say that can you and so uh we walk out of the chapel there's a senator walking by and this senator says hey senator this is matt barnes he's the new chaplain of the state house i'm like this is gonna bomb and the senator says well pastor i look forward to working with you <laughs> and it would just wow it began so he invites me then to a bible study a legislator bible study that had been going on for a couple decades so i arrive that thursday morning as i arrive that thursday morning he's not there yet we go up to the church, like a, maybe three or four legislators in the chapel for Bible study. I walk in and they look at me and they're like, who are you? And I'm like, well, I, I'm Matt Barnes and Senator Cruz invited me. I'm just here to pray. And they're like, that's nice. But um, this is a legislator only Bible study. So mm. we're going to ask you to leave. And uh, Ty, Walter, I've never, I've never been kicked out of a Bible study before in my life. That was a whole new experience to be like, you're out. 
because they have some strange characters walking through. You just can't have random people jumping in where legislators might be sharing their heart, sharing confidential stuff. You just don't have random people jump into a legislator Bible study. So they kicked me out. And I, that's fine. No worries. I'm not here to run my own program. I'll be out here in the hallway praying for you guys. The person that asked me to leave came out afterwards after about an hour or so, handed me their card and said, I'd like to talk to you um, about what you're, why you're here and all this. So I did. I met with them later on after just sharing with them that I'm just here to pray for you. God's just asked me to be here. And uh, they said, you know what? Um, you are, I really am compelled by your story and how God's called you here. So please come back to Bible study. <laughs> they, she, they then invited me to Bible study. And so then I began to just be a part of that Bible study for a couple years. Uh, content was generally like a devotional or something, but I would take the scripture at the top and just wait, you know, and they'd all, Hey, what do you think? What do you think? And, and then um, they'd turn to me, well, what do you think? I'm like, well, the passage. And sometimes if you guys have ever seen devotional, sometimes it's like, Somebody writes a devotional and they're like, what scripture would fit really well at the top? Yeah. Of the thing? Um, then they throw a scripture up there. And so I would just dig into the passage and just mm. give 30 seconds, 60 seconds of what the passage meant. And to give a long, make a long story very, very short. After two years, they actually asked me to lead the very Bible study I was kicked out wow. of. And I've been doing that now for 15 years in leading that study with the legislators. Amazing. Ty, I see you over there writing stuff. Did you have something you wanted to ask? Oh, no. I just said, yeah, you're dropping gems, and I'm writing something. <laughs> I thought that I'd be ready to preach, pray, or die. It was gold. I was like, let me put that. <laughs> you know, was there a part of you ever during this process where you thought, I don't know if I can do this anymore? Yes. Uh, year three. Um, I was, you know, and, and you might think, hey, you're leading a Bible study with legislators. That's super cool. But honestly, because uh, I was not political, I wasn't a staffer, I wasn't elected, I wasn't a lobbyist, I didn't fit. I didn't fit anywhere. I was extremely lonely. And so what I would do is I would sit in the gallery of the Senate and the House um, while, while they were doing their business, I would sit there not having any contact with legislators. I felt very removed. Um, I actually went home after that third year and I told my wife, I could leave that building. No one would know and no one would care. And I, I actually tried to convince her to let me run for office because then I would be in. I said, I could minister to them. If I was one of them, they would accept me and then I could do ministry from the inside. She said, yeah, except for the fact that then you're going to have to take stands on political issues right. and walk off half the people. And so right. that's going to be a problem. So stay the course. Mm -hmm. It was incredibly wise advice. But again, back to that hurdle, the, the challenge, I was, I, I took, it took, to be honest with you guys, it took nine years. Nine years right. of sitting in the gallery of the House and the Senate. And then finally, a, a state representative called me and said, hey, Matt, we have a pastor of the day every day, and we aren't able to spend time with them. So would you be willing to be on the house floor, meet that pastor of the day, orient them to what is going to happen, and just tell them, give them a little few of the, the tips of the trade, 
and then they can pray and feel welcomed. And so I was like, well, absolutely, I'll do that. Because they make an announcement every day before the House and Senate begin, all unauthorized individuals leave the chamber. You can't be on the floor. And here I am, very unauthorized, but I did. I would pray. And it's reserved for the day, but in praise. I looked down. I looked up there. I began to sit in the pastor's chair every day to where it became just part of my normal. And then I thought to the Senate doorkeepers, hey, who's the pastor of the day today? And they're like, oh, so and so. And I'm like, well, um, so I want to meet him. And so I'd meet him. And then I just started walking in with him. I'm not kidding. I, I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but I just started walking onto the floor with him. And then they would leave and I'd be like, they're not staying. So I'll stay here. So I then began sitting on the, the house, sitting on the floor of the Senate to where it became expected to where the speaker of the house, the previous speaker of the house made a very public uh, statement a couple of years ago, one of our, we have a big state house prayer service, love to talk to you about our events as well. But he says, he says, Matt, and he, in front of 800 to a thousand Hoosiers gathered there to pray at this event a couple of years ago, he says, what you have done, you and your team have done in the state house has fundamentally changed the culture of the state house. Wow. Because when somebody in the house of representatives, they want to get up and they want to say, they might want to say something bad about a particular member up and they look over and they got pastors sitting there praying for them and it changes what they're going to say and it changes the culture and the atmosphere they're knowing somebody's there and it's not who i am it's who i represent because i am a representative as well i am a representative of the lord jesus christ and so when they see me hopefully they're seeing him and then that changes some behavior and the way they interact with one another but it was nine years of very lonely times in those galleries that I absolutely wanted to leave. And now we're a part of the culture very, very much so. Mm. Wow. The, the amount of time separated, I have also felt where you are isolated, it almost seems like. And the Lord takes that time. You know, I think about Elisha in the ravine, yeah. go down here away from that and go stay there. He stays there and just, he just remains until he gets the call to go to Zarephath to the widow. Yes. And, and so you have those moments where you're, what am I still doing here? Yes. Like you don't feel like you're, you know, I, I told you that I had done a ministry to the homeless. I had, I'd done that. I'd probably done that for about three years. Just recently I was getting ready to do it again. And such a burden fell upon me to, to walk away from it. And I, and I, because I don't have a lot of that quit in me, that, was really difficult for me, but I talked about it with my, the brothers that I go with. And I said, are you, are you feeling like this? Are you feeling like we should step away from uh, this? And they all agreed. And so I knew that it wasn't just me, but it was still extremely hard. And I think when your zeal is burning hot and you're like, oh, this is what the Lord wants for me. And when he takes it away, boy, that's difficult. At least it is for me. Uh, that that kind of stuff. Um, just a little bit about 
me and Tyreek, because you're coming into this scenario a little bit blind. Me and him both served in the, in the military together. So we have that bond in wow. this. Thank and, you. Which, and, which branch, guys? Which The Army. Yeah, we were in the Army together. Yep. Army. We spent roughly Same three. Army? Uh, yep. Army. Okay. Yep. We spent, we spent uh, two years together and then quite a few more years apart. But um, as you were, I, I was going to ask you, I'm going to transition now. Tariq, did you have any questions before I transition? No. Yes. Yes, I do. I do. Um, but I just want to be just a little bit still for a couple of seconds and see what we got going you're, on. Because you're frozen, Matt. So we want to just yeah. sit here for yeah. just a moment. Yeah. Sorry. There you go. There it is. Okay. Um, as as you were speaking, as you were speaking, I um, I was just thinking about uh, your testimony here, and uh, you were saying like you know how you had to sit in this in this lonely place. You had to sit there and you had to uh, you know simmer and just be in that place. And uh, and also how you said you know for a second there you were thinking about. Uh, actually trying to lobby for a position and stuff like that so you could be a part of the situation and as you were as you were talking about it I was thinking like you know of I don't have the scripture off the top of my head I'm not as good as you I, I think that's amazing that you have a lot of scripture like on, on tap the second like you think of it you could just say it out verbatim that's awesome I'm working on that but uh it's like you take the you take the lower seat. You take the more humble position, and then you have people say, "Come up here!" Like, "Hey, you bring up here." This way, you're elevated, and you get you get that kind of status that's a, that the Lord has for you. Instead of thinking that that's where you should be, and then somebody being like, "Hey, what are you doing up here? Go down there." Now that that's a that's a whole different conversation that we're talking about now. So. Um, you say you say your wife is speaking into your life. Um, um, like Walter said, we spent a lot of time together, and uh, uh, I'd say our military years were sort of productive, but not as productive as they could have been. <laughs> okay. Now, you know, as now they are uh, rooted in Christ fundamentally and just solid. And uh, uh, I've given Walter a hundred percent um ability to speak into my life candidly with no you know anger or anything like that and vice versa it sounds like that's your wife for you do you have any brothers in the lord that also speak into your life or is it or is it kind of just wife mom you know dad like what 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 do we have going on yeah so um that's been one really cool thing about being in the state house you get to meet some great people and um and i've got those people actually inside the state house now as well so i stayed with my I, my dad is still my pastor that's an hour away to go to church when i'm able to get there i typically speak at a different church almost every week but i'm still very grounded in my local church with my dad as my pastor Those folks know me. And they call me out on. But now in the state house as well, um, there was a newly elected three years ago. I did a 
quick little speech for orientation said, Hey, I'm the chaplain here. If you need anything in by spiritual help or here, here's my card. I get a call the next day from this legislator who says, Hey, um, pastor, I'm calling you to find out how can I pray for you? And that was the first time that a legislator flipped the script on me. I was always asking how I could pray for them. First time he ever calls me, he says, no, I'm here. I'm calling you to ask how I can pray for you. And now for the past 12 years or so, that man has called me every single Monday. Hey, how can I pray for you? What's going on? What's going on in your life? And it's life on life ministry. And there's a couple other guys that do that. We have a band of 12 that that are in this text group. Um, that we're regularly, we have these little coins, these little challenge coins that are the armor of God and say, Hey, are you putting on the armor of God? What are you doing? And just bumping up against each other. So that's happening now, even in the arena in which I've been called to minister, we now have that sort of brotherhood in that because uh, to throw the military in there, quite honestly, being a battle for, for people that are believers, the devil loves to tear down leaders because they're leadership. It doesn't matter whether they're Christian or not. He just likes to tear down leaders. But he has the, the Christian leader has a double target on their back because he loves to tear down the leader and especially one who names the name of Christ. And so how important it is to keep one another accountable for that. And um, now the Holy Spirit is for that. Um, to give you a, a quick story, He's thanked the. Uh, he's thanked everybody. It takes a week to do this. So each session day, he picks a new set of people. Well, he got down to the last day, and he says, "You know, I I, I have one more person that I." That just seemed totally um, uncalled for. Hopefully, I'm still. It looks like I've frozen or I've frozen, but hopefully, I'm still clear. Am I still? Yeah, it's a little by little. Kind of. You're you're in and out sometimes. So I wanna I wanna continue to go, but you you are you'll be in the middle of the story and then er, and then you'll you'll continue on. So I <laughs> I'm probably talking. Ah, that's too much. But so, <laughs> no, you're good. So I'm sitting off to the side and thank Matt Barnes, our pastor, and the House of Representatives stands to give a standing ovation for me and the ministry. And I'm like, that's unbelievable. Wow. So I, I get to my car that evening and uh, opened the door, sat down, and I wept the whole way home overwhelmed at God's goodness. I mean, I'm a no, I am an absolute nobody. And to be thanked by the speaker of the house in such a fashion was a rough year. I'm like, you know, it's been a hard year. And so the speaker, he doesn't have to wait until the last day. That's still too much, but you know, and he thanks the, he thanks the attorneys. He thanks the staffers. He thanks different people. 
to the very last day, the last moment. And he asks for a motion to adjourn, sign he die, and, and he didn't thank me. And um, I thought, well, I was kind of hurt by that. You know, he didn't thank me. So I, I ran over to the Senate and I thought maybe they'll say a few words about me. So I stood in the back of the Senate as they got ready to adjourn and I'm waiting and, and they didn't thank me either. And I get out to the car and I open the car door and I sit down. And right before I sat down, the Lord said to my heart, the Holy Spirit, hey, Matt, it's not all about you. <laughs> and I got in the car and I wept the way home yep. for an entirely different reason than the previous <laughs> right. year. Yeah. Right. I was humbled the first year and proud the second, and the Lord humbled me. Mm. And it so the spirit, he's that sensitive gentleman that will whisper to our hearts when we're out of line. And it's so important to listen to that still small voice. Um, mm -hmm. So, yes, I've got accountability around me, and I, I've given many people the right to speak in and say, whenever you see me, line, call me on it. And they've, they've taken me up on it sometimes. And uh, mm. I don't enjoy it at first, but it's good in the end. Hey, hey man, that's just like scripture. Like, you know, um, uh, chastisement, you know, and, and being yes. like accountable in that way. It might not feel good at no. first, but good for you. And I think that what you said right there is so very important for everybody to, you know, take heed of, you know, it, it's something that you need. You need somebody to hold you accountable. We, uh, this is the one thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to let Walter take over. Uh, there, there's a, a saying in the world that's like, uh, you know, only God can judge me. You don't want God to be the one to judge you like that. That's not what you want. You want somebody else to talk to you before you go there and you're standing before the almighty and it's over, you know, like you definitely want somebody else to be speaking to your life and be like, Hey man, you know, I'm noticing this stuff. Don't, don't be rebellious. Don't fight against that. You know, uh, the, the wise, the wise, um, they 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 love the correction you know the fools they they're the one that's going to buck back against that they don't want to receive that kind of stuff so um yeah absolutely go ahead walter i apologize go ahead and take it no you're good hey you're you're co-host so i you, i don't <laughs> i don't need to run the whole show i'm glad when you talk i'm glad when everybody talks so i i will say that the things that are harder for you in life most times do much better for you than the easy things and so when you go through the valleys you actually learn more in the valleys than you do on the mountaintop. Uh, because as humans, we don't do good on the mountaintop. When we get up there, we, our first inclination is to repeat Nebuchadnezzar's words, look, look at what I did, I got here. And then we get knocked back down to the valley and clearly you ain't ready for this up here. You need to go back down there and be humbled again. It's better to humble yourself before God has to humble you. Amen. And so I, I fully believe that. And that's what I try to warn people is to say, hey, look, God's patient to a point. Yeah. Don't try him, though. Don't make him jealous to a point where he says, OK, now I got to spank you. And that's the one you that's the one you don't want. And yeah. so I, I, I fully agree with what you've been saying. And, and I've been taking it all in. I do want to transition here just just for a moment. First of all, um, Amazing. Some of the stories you said, it's just absolutely awesome yes. how the Lord is working 
And it often comes when we don't expect it. Uh, things happen and we're not, we're just supposed to be ready. You know what I mean? We're just supposed to be ready to, to, to go when he calls. Um, now, first Timothy four, three through four reads for the, t- the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ear wants to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Now, with that being said, how do you see that playing out in the church of America today as we stand? Well, uh, if I can speak freely, I'm very concerned with the politicization, if that's a word, of the church. Okay. Uh, very concerned about, um, it seems, in, and I saw it early on when I was uh, starting the ministry there, and in fact, some said Christians are some of the most mean-spirited people in the world. Uh, mm. That was a legislator quote. Sad. It's taken, it's, it's way beyond. With, and, and dare I say, and nationalism is taking um, a, our country and making it into an idol. Um, mm. and I, I've actually heard it from the pulpit, uh, someone saying that America has never done anything worth, worthy of an apology. And I'm thinking, uh, you have just made America a god. Yeah, you are. That is idol worship. And so I'm very concerned um, with that in churches. And we've we've seen a bit of that come a little more to a head, I think, through the pandemic, um, because you saw churches splitting over non-scriptural reasons. Like, are we going to wear a mask or not? Well, how Mm -hmm. about we just let Romans 14 speak into it and you be fully (laughs) persuaded in your own mind? And then let's let's let folks have some liberty here or follow the law, whatever it is. Let's let's allow there to be instead of splitting over things um, that are non-biblical. I'm very concerned about politics coming into the church and separating the church at its very core. It really does. um, And I say maybe I have more of a front row seat to that because of where I'm at. Um, I don't know if you guys are seeing that as well, but I see it and it really concerns me. You're. You're in good company with that mindset because Tyreek and I were both in the military. And so therefore, with that being said, there is, I'll speak for my, me, there is a thing where that is how you identify when yep. you get out. Hey, I'm a veteran. I was in the army. You, you, your Christian title gets kind of put back here yes. and this veteran title kind of gets plastered across everything because I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here, but the military sets in motion things that aren't undone later so i'll I'll give you an example when tyreek and i were in it was nothing to go into somewhere off post and be like are you in the military let me buy you a drink let me get you a couple drinks and so now you have this thing that is now saddled you hey look i i'm getting drinks because i was in now i'm drunk now i have to drink all the time because this is just what we do or Hey, look, you know, I heard you're in. I heard you just got back from Iraq or Afghanistan. Let me buy you a prostitute. I know you need a good time. Let me hook you up with that. I can do that for you. And so because you're a soldier, society says, well, you must want this. You must want this. So guys go in, not saddled with certain things, and they come out baggage loaded down with those. So I'm, I'm fully with you. 
America should not be your God. It is just the country you live in. At the end of the day, I don't identify as an American. I identify as a Christian. I'm just an American citizen. Yes. yes. Um, so I double down on what you said, Walter. Today, like uh, what 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 I'm hearing from you is there's a narrative that's put, regardless of if you're if you were in the military, if you're a Christian, if you're you know. Uh, uh, whatever pick whatever you want to pick there's a narrative that's pushed in the in the world i'd say for the most part knows just enough to be dangerous like you said Walter. you said oh you know um uh, you know if you was in the military when you come back people are like oh you know let me get you this let me do this let me do that um if you're a christian and you're doing something maybe not not the, that the bible says not to do it could be even something small. Somebody who doesn't believe at all is going to come up to you and say, hey, aren't you a Christian? Shouldn't be doing that. Because they understand that there's a narrative behind whatever kind of title that you have. So these people know this kind of narrative and they use it to either influence you or, you know, give you give you that uh, um, that. Uh, homage if 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 i should be so bold to say that kind of thing or to kind of uh you know to to act accordingly in the situation and my thing and also walter's thing because we talk about it a lot is that um you know a lot of people have an understanding of what they think a christian should be but there's a lot of things that are not really there's not like a people aren't putting out like this ironclad standard of what a Christian should be. It's, it's like, oh, well, you know, God is love, so you should love and you should accept everybody no matter what they do, how they, and it's just like that. You have the wrong understanding of love. Love is actually honest. Love is an action. Love is going to tell you the truth, whether you like it or not. And love is going to put you, it's going to give you the correct information as it should be. And to be a Christian is something that uh, that is not a passive thing. This is something you work at every single day. You have to read scripture and and be broken by the scripture, you know, not the other way around. And it's difficult to find, I guess, the true church sometimes. It's difficult to find that because so many people have a a understanding or a blanket statement of what a Christian should be, but there, there's there's nobody saying this is the standard. And if you're not here, then you're over here. Or if you're not there, then you're over here. It's only one way to God, the Father. There's only one way. There's not multiple ways. There's no other, you know, there's, and you hear this kind of stuff on TV and stuff like that. It's just like, well, how's your heart feeling? All, we need we we need to put a standard down so i'm seeing that a lot more and i'm wondering like what what do you think that we should start doing to get to be able to establish that standard more so that we don't have a bunch of people being around the faith instead of being in the faith yeah and i think you're really wise to say that uh, we need to be careful about labels labels particularly in the arena in which i um, live and work um it's almost like people think if you vote right you you have a certain um there's certain things that you do then clearly that person must be a christian 
And the, the sad thing is there's a lot, there are a lot of political leaders that might vote right in a lot of people's way of thinking um, that they don't know Jesus. And, and actually, they're not then being shown what Jesus really is. In fact, they're almost given a pass by Christians like, well, you're living right, you're, you're talking right, you're voting right, so therefore you must be a Christian. We run the risk of becoming Pharisees. Um, mm. and so we, we're all about uh, morality. And I'm so glad that God did not call me to preach about morality, but to preach about the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Mm. It's all about Jesus. It's not about do this, don't do this. Uh, people will sometimes say that you can't legislate morality. I, I take umbrage with that because all law is moral. All law is moral. You're saying this is what we think as a society is right, and this is what is wrong. Every law that's created creates a moral code. The question then becomes, where are you drawing your morality from, right? But it's a, it's a moral code. The thing is, Christians are, are falling for the head fake of the devil here, where many times believers think, oh, if we get this law passed, then it will fix our problems. If we get this particular leader elected, We'll get all our problems problems fixed. Is that we're putting up a view, up a fake view of what a Christian is. That somehow it's a set of rules and regulations we lie instead of a person in whom we know and have a relationship with it. And we. The devil. Um, and I'm all about individual Christians being involved in politics. And he's a wonderful thing. We want godly. Absolutely. God has a heart for good law and good leaders. If you don't believe that, just the books of the Bible. Verse five are books of the law. Then you've got mm -hmm. books that are on leadership after that. You know, you've got Joshua, Judges, and you've got all these Sam Kings and all this. And, and so God has care for good law and good leadership. Yet we need to be careful that the church's mission doesn't change. The church's mission is to reach people of Jesus Christ, not to get a particular law passed and put on the big whoop. Right. I'm sorry that we're just looking at you right now. You froze for a minute. Ugh. So you're good. You're good. Uh, so no, so yeah. my, my, my last line of my rant was that we need to be careful uh, that we're not, that we, we are making sure we're the gospel, which changes hearts and not reality that just changes behavior. Right. Absolutely. And Absolutely. To, to this point of why we have such a bad, how do I say this? Why the standard for being a disciple of Christ is all over the place. You have the very legalist yep. and then you have the very liberal and yes. then you have all this way. That's why we named the podcast black and white Christianity because it's black and white, but you won't get the black and white. If you don't read the black and white, 
And right. so I, I, I think that maybe one of the biggest problems in the church of America is that people don't value reading the word. My goodness, if we would just read it, how much good it would do instead of relying on someone else to read it and then regurgitating what they had. We're getting it secondhand when we have the source here. Yes. Uh, and so I, I heard somebody say sometimes, the Ameri America doesn't need Christ. America needs the church. The church needs Christ. If the church would get Christ, the America would know it because the church would be more involved in how the country is run. But because we've done what we've done here, there is more of the world in the church than there mm -hmm. is of the church in the world. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And there's an old phrase about um, in terms of the church's mission. I, again, individual people can get involved in politics, and that's wonderful. But in terms of the church's mission, it's it's likened to wrestling with a pig, right? Because if the church gets involved in politics, uh, it's just like wrestling with a pig. The church will get dirty, and the pig loves it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the pig's nature. That's great. It's like, yeah, you want to, well, let's go. Let's go in the mud when the church yeah. should not be doing that. The church's mission right. is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we should be focused on laser focused. And, um, and that is not uh, telling everybody you have to live a certain way. No, you have to know Jesus. Your righteousness right. is as filthy rags. You are right. not going to make it on your goodness. You're going to make it upon Jesus's righteousness. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. Preach. You know, I, 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 I <laughs> I like your passion because I have the same passion. And, you know, you, you, when you talk to, so let me ask you a question. Um, and I don't mind if we go long here because I'm enjoying myself. And so <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> there is a lot of churches that are dividing over small things, like what you said, masks, vaccinations, some things that are a bit minute in my, in my view. Uh, but then there are churches that are dividing over, the LGBT movement and and um, and different things of that nature. Do you think which one do you think is more dangerous, or is it all dangerous? Uh, in terms of dividing over mass versus uh, a. Sorry, did I freeze again? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so, you're, yeah. <laughs> so the question is, which one should churches be dividing over more? The the master LG? No, no, no. It, no. I, the 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 thought is, we're dividing over so many things. Yes. It seems that the church is just looking for one more thing to divide on. Mm. It's like, are, you guys don't do that. Oh well, we do. You get you can't be over here. It just seems like the church is sectioned up into micro churches within the church. And so the yeah. question I the question I was proposing is. Out of all the things the church divides over, would you say that right now, just how politicized it is, is the LGBTQ movement probably the most damaging at, the, at this point? Um, I would I would say no, it is not. Uh, okay. The number one issue for me, and I think I kind of fall back on a C.S. Lewis quote, um, who said, "Who says pride?" is the greatest of all sins. I mean, he puts that number one. And the issue with beginning to focus on other, it's, man, I can get amens all day in churches by preaching on other people's sins. 
all day long, right? <laughs> Amen. I mean, that's a terrible sin. That's a terrible sin. That's horrible. Um, but if you start focusing on the ones that are, are actually in the church, oh, now, now, pastor, you're not, now you're, you're meddling now. You're meddling. You shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> and so it, it's an internal problem. It's so much easier to focus on that person's sin, not on my own. So the problem is though is those internal sins. That's the biggest issue I see. So all sinners all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the mm. number one issue. That's why churches split over it's sin. It's sin in the hearts. It's self-righteousness. It's all sorts of pride. Mm. Talk about this uh, quite a bit. And I'm so glad you said what you said, because um, it's not necessarily a sin, a humongous problem. And it's non-transparency, like re the refusal of being transparent, the, re the refusal of saying, hey, I'm struggling with this thing. The fear that if I am exposed and I tell you or I tell Walter that I'm dealing with this certain kind of thing, that instead of you praying for me, coming alongside of me, helping me to get me back on track, you're going to judge me and you're going to damage me and you're going to uh, make me a spectacle. And now because of that, instead of trying to get the healing and the prayer and the, um, you know, and the brotherhood and the, and the sisterhood and the camaraderie that's supposed to come with the church. Now it's more like you said, let's talk about this person's stuff. But don't bring that over here. Or let's talk about that person stuff. Like, mm, or like as soon as as soon as it's something that you deal with, it's kind of like no nobody wants to talk about that. And it happens in the younger generation. But as um, me and Walter talk about this a lot, do you feel that that kind of non-transparency happens more in the older generation than the younger generation? And that's a, that's a good question, Ty. Um, and I do think that the younger generation, they crave authenticity. So maybe an older generation is more willing to put a facade up. Uh, everything's good, looks good, everything's fine, but inside's dead man's bones, or Jesus talks about with the, the scribes and Pharisees. At the same time, I will say, I do think the younger generation does want uh, somebody to be, just be real with me, be real um, and so I think you may be onto something there that the younger generation craves uh, sincerity and authenticity. And uh, hey, let's give it to them. I mean, let's be real about it. And I love you, you guys are just talking plain talk here. And I think that resonates um, with the younger generation for sure. I think and, and to this to the same point here, if you will be transparent, they will feel that they can be transparent. If you're claiming to be somebody that's following Christ, you need to show them what that looks like. And what that looks like is, hey, I struggled with porn for 25 to 26 years. That is a constant thing that is grabbing after me. Why is that so difficult in the church today? I think to your point, to Ty's point, it is that secret sin that is left unchecked, that festers to a place that causes death because nobody knows it's there except the person that is watering it. If you water your sin enough, the nooses around your neck, it will eventually hang you. 
And so this idea that nobody knows it's there is the problem. And then it just festers and it's gangrene and the church doesn't know it's there. And it affects people secretly this way and this way. And then it's done. And then you go through these small towns like I've done before. And you see these small churches with the eviction notice nailed to the door and it's done. And so I, I weep over that. I weep over the church. And like you said, you have the older generation doing one of these. When the harder stuff is preached, they, they sit back there and they're like, well, he ain't talking about me. You're not talking about me right now. That's not me. And the younger generation seems to be more willing to be broken. I don't know if we're transitioning here from generations. I don't know if that's what's happening, but it seems that way. Am, am I wrong? Ty? I know. <laughs> That's am I back? You're you're back. Go ahead, hit it. No, I know it's it's like that. It seems like every generation says that. It's like, oh, these young whippersnappers, you know. And, and uh, so, so I don't want to be that way. Um, at the same time, we I do think there's value in in picking up the tendencies of generational shifts. And um, I, I do think you may be onto something there. Just, hey, let's let's just be a bit more transparent. It, the Bible says, confess your faults one to another. We, we should do that and be transparent with one another. So for sure. I, Absolutely. I, just, I just want us to call it what it is. Yeah. Enough with the facade, enough with the feelings, enough with the feel good. Hell's real, heaven's real, and you got to choose. And you choose by either following Christ or denying him. I, I, I'm not here to tickle tickle ears or any. We talked about that. There's a bunch of people out there. And that's the other problem. And Tyreek, I don't want to, if you've got something to say, I don't want to muscle you out here. We have so many directions we can go. Oh, you, you don't like somebody that talks about divorce? I got somebody for you. Go to this church over here up the street. They'll do that. Oh, you don't want nobody that talks about sexual sin? This guy up here. We, we've got a church for you. Instead of the churches all being on the same page, no matter where you go, conviction will cut you. No, we've got a place for you. And I think that's damaging. Well, it is. It is uh, for sure. But at the same time, yeah. Am I still, am I frozen probably but judas betrayed him yeah. and so right after false belief and we have them churches they're false believers christianity take your choice it's like walking in the mall you want this church or this church it's just like that what you're saying there but some of them are not believing churches they're false churches they're false exactly. prophets and exactly. um It'll just tickle the ears. Absolutely. That's what they will do. Sad to say, but it's real, but it was in Jesus day and it's in our day too. Oh, it seems as though it's, it's like a six flags over Jesus at this point. Like it's harder to find the churches that are willing to bring the truth. I mean, just the straight truth. And there, there's more churches that are willing to tell you, everything's going to be okay. Don't it's worry about it. Because church is no longer what it should be. Not across the board, but just 
the majority. Now churches are nonprofit organizations. Like that, that I feel like once the money starts to get its fingers up in the situation, that's when we're starting to have a problem. That people are like, you know, they're they're getting these uh, buildings and stuff like that, and is now instead of the the health and the quality of the flock is more so about how many can we get in here. I don't care if they're sick, lame, this, that, or third. Get them in here. Tell them it's gonna be all right. Get the money out of their pocket and keep it moving. And it's it's gross what church has become now. It's, it is a monstrosity. And and that's why I'm I lean more to the smaller gatherings or I lean more to like what what you do. I would I would go to that. You know, I would I would go there. I would go there because like it's you're not you're not you're not calling for anything. You're not trying to funnel people in just to just to get numbers up or anything like that. You're doing the work. Walter does the work. You know, like we, we, I, I want to be around people who are on fire for Christ. And it just doesn't seem like a lot of people have that fire burning on the inside as much as you would think it would be. You can't just go into any church and be like, I'm, I'm in the presence of God. Not, not so. You can't just always walk into any building that says church and say, oh yeah, I went to church. Yeah, you might have went to church today, but you did. Were you before the, was the spirit moving? Was, was there anything happening in there? Could you tell that the spirit of God was in there? A lot of people just go to church to check a block. Hey, I was wet. I know I need to go to church. Check the block. I know I need to have a Bible. I got one. What, what version is it? Who knows? But I got a Bible though. You know, like it's 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 just a bunch of check box. And and I want, like you said a little bit earlier in this thing, it's about the relationship. And you can tell if somebody has that relationship with Christ almost instantly you spend but you have to spend the time you have to be social you have to you have to spend the time to be able to get them to talk you get them to talk the bible says that you get them to talk and once whatever's coming out of their mouth is what's going on in their heart and you'll know you'll know right then and there you'll be able to pick that stuff out you have to test the spirit when you're dealing with like somebody who's claiming to be of god I agree. Amen, Ty. Yeah. Matt, preach, I want to. I want to give you. I want. <laughs> I want to. I want to give you an opportunity here at the close. To you said you had some things coming up. I want to give you the opportunity to to plug some of those. Oh sure. Um, well, it, it, right now we're out of session. So when we're out of session, um, we don't do as many events, but. Um, we have several events through the year. Um, the biggest event we have is called the State House Prayer Service. It's at the first of the year. So um, that'll be early January is the next one we have. And uh, that's where we just ask leaders to pray. Um, so we have, and we started that 18 years ago. So this was the 18th annual State House Prayer Service, which is amazing. We're coming up on 20 years of ministry in the Capitol. Um, wow. But we have we have like the, the governor pray for the executive branch, the chief justice pray for the judiciary, the speaker of the house pray for the house, the president pro tem pray for the Senate. And we have different other pastors pray at that event. And um, before COVID, we were 
and we give away like 700 Chick-fil-A sandwiches. So I'm not, it's great to have them in, in the state house um, and be a part of that particular, be a part, part of that meeting. Right. Hey, Matt. Study. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to, um, I want to, I want to ask you uh, to, you know, uh, send send Walter like a text message with the information or or me, whichever, you know, uh, we yes. want to go ahead and get that on black and white. <laughs> no and we want to get that uh -huh. in the comment section below. We want to make sure that we definitely have like maybe some links. If you have that, uh, if you have any kind of social media outlet, we definitely want to make sure we plug those things just in case you're, you're, you're coming across on the video we want to make sure that people have the opportunity to be able to uh, take advantage of those things because it sounds very uh very uplifting and definitely like something that we we my, me myself i would like to um be a part of so um yeah we definitely want you to get that information to us so we can uh, make sure to put it in the comment section I will definitely do that. And Ty, you guys are welcome. Everybody's welcome at noon on Friday. Uh, that's just a wide open Bible study. Anybody's welcome. We also do a Monday morning at 8 a.m. just a prayer time for 20 minutes, which is great. Great way to start the week. So just trying to be missional inside a building where the devil thinks he owns it. And the fact of the matter is he doesn't because my king is king over all Amen. of it. Amen. Matt, we're so glad that you joined us tonight. What a pleasure it was to have you, and we were honored to have you here with us. So thank you for coming on Black and White Christianity. It was my honor. Thank you so much, Walter and Ty. look forward to getting to know you guys even better as time goes on. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, we may have you on a couple more times for different topics. So if, you, if you're interested, awesome. Well, guys, this is the 12th episode of Black and White Christianity. And we're so happy that you were here with us today. And like always, God bless. And we love you. We love you.